Welcome to my podcast, I Love My Job. Today I'm talking to Victoria Watson, who's the creative producer at her own company, Eyeballs, as in eyeballs, but B-O-L-L-S at the end. Eyeballs creates things like cinema ads and short films using either live action, which means real people acting out roles, or animation. When Victoria left school, she trained in animation at an art school in Scotland at a time when animation wasn't the big part of our lives that it is today. But back then, Victoria was already well and truly hooked. And you'll hear her talk about how some people tried to discourage her from going down that path, but she stuck to her guns and followed her instinct. And as I said, today she's the creative producer of her own company, which I think is pretty impressive. Even though one of the ads the company produces might only last two minutes, there's likely to have been a huge team of people involved behind the scenes to create what you see on screen. These people include film directors, editors, script writers, graphic designers and actors. And it's Victoria's job, apart from when she's animating or directing herself, to bring together all of those people into a team. Here's Victoria to describe all of that in her own words. So I have a business that I run with my friend Rona Drummond. Uh, the business is Eyeballs. We are a female-led, uh, award-winning boutique animation and live action studio based in Leith. And we work across lots of different platforms. So um, short films, TV series, online content, commercials, um, cinema ads, that sort of thing. Um, we have recently started to get into more of the sort of long form, so like your your TV series. So we, we've done a couple of series with the BBC. Um, wow, and fantastic. We're, and we're, yeah, so that's really exciting. And, Which ones have um, you done? Uh, teeny Tiny Creatures, and they're working on one at the moment with the um, Philharmonic Music um we're quite a small company. We've got five people in total um, and we've got mainly production staff. So I do still animate and um, produce as well, which is great. So I get to do a wee bit of both. Um, so we tend to direct and animate stop motion animation and then obviously produce live action and produce other forms of animation as well. And am I right in thinking that live action means not animated, basically real, real people, real things? Yes, it's a very different process. It's much faster, um, whereas obviously animation can take uh, quite a long time. And I think, you know, there's lots of really amazing production companies in Edinburgh and Glasgow and all over Scotland. But I think we've sort of chosen our niche as we, we do both. So you you set up the business with Rona and you're the creative producer. Your um, overarching role, I suppose, is it that you pull everybody together and you you just make sure that in the end the project gets over the finish line and you encounter all the problems along the way and it's up to you. It's kind of your the buck stops with you, I guess. Is that what a creative producer is? That's correct. I mean, obviously, depending on uh, the industry and the company, creative producer can mean different things. But I think because... I have got a creative side and I can direct and animate, but I mainly produce. We felt like creative producer was sort of a good all-round title for me. But yeah, it's something I'm really passionate about is bringing teams together. And my business partner will probably laugh at this, but she, I'm constantly on Instagram stalking people. And I'm like, look at this person. Um, and we just, we actually just finished a project that was um, a 12-minute uh, animated project that was a mix of 2D rigged animation and hand-drawn. And hand-drawn animation is, is just not a, as... Uh, 
well known anymore. It's, it's quite an old school traditional technique. Um, so there's not that many people. It's very specialised. Um, there's not that many people doing it in the world. So when we got this project and we knew that they wanted that approach. So, yeah, I just went off and started yeah looking for people. And we're really lucky because at the time, most of the animators were working with SPA Studios who did Klaus on Netflix. It's like a Christmas animation. So they had great success with um, Klaus and then they'd commissioned, Netflix had commissioned another film, but unfortunately it got pulled for, I don't know what the reasons were, but it was just like really lucky timing because everyone who had been basically on that job, I managed to steal a few for my project. So, and we had a fantastic team, like the talent was unbelievable and it just, yeah, it just blew me away, the people that we managed to get on it. And they were all over the world. So we had people in Scotland, we had people in London, Netherlands, Madrid, Argentina, uh, Canada. So we just sort of um, scale up and scale down depending. So we keep our core production team and then we just pull in directors or animators or editors or whoever it is. And as I said, it's something I'm quite passionate about is like finding the right people. You've only set the business up, if I'm right, about six and a half years ago, but you've already won awards. So I guess that is that you think what what you're good at, the ability to find the right person and convince them to work with you as well. Yeah, I'm quite a good convincer. Um, but yeah, we've won a few awards for short films and commercials that we've we've created. We do differ from other production companies who have maybe in-house talent, um, which is great. And that model works for lots of people. But I think for us, we want to keep everything fresh. We want our work to look quite diverse and, and just nice to work with different people and using different techniques. Because I think we're all still learning. If it were me, that would be the bit I would love is meeting so many different talented people and finding out, you know, seeing their artistic flair and their imagination. It's and- amazing. Yeah, oh, definitely. And I think you can't teach that sort of stuff at, at like university or stuff. things. I think I've definitely learned more about animation and, and working in this industry than I did, you know, studying. Um, but it gives you a good grounding. And, and I think... Especially going into producing, even though I'm not actually always animating, although I've I've got that background knowledge, it kind of really helps me to understand the processes. And I think it I think it gives you a little bit more respect from the animators as well because you have tried it, um, and so you do know how much work goes into it. When you say animators, I think by now most people would hear that and know what you're talking about. But you're really talking about the the artist behind say what's a really popular anime film frozen it's the person behind all those images you're seeing that's created them drawn them even well if i'm going to get a bit technical but um the animator makes them move basically so they they don't always it depends on the project but something like frozen they have people who just design the characters who just um rig the characters in 3d and then the animator what uses does that, that mean rig them so it gives them a skeleton that's sort okay. of like how I would describe it. So the riggers will put this, the skeleton into the body and then the animator will make it move. Um, and so frame by frame, they set up. Um, again, depending on the type of animation, it's if it's 3D or it's, it's digital 2D, like rigged animation, uh, you know, they'll set their keyframes and, and, and work out the in-betweens with hand-drawn. They actually have to physically draw the full picture. Keyframes are sort of like the main poses and then the in-betweens are all the in-between stages, basically. So it's a lot of work and it's a very slow process, but it's amazing when you bring something to life and give it personality. Like, you can't beat that feeling. Especially, like, when I do stop motion, which is obviously objects or, like, physical puppets, I think 
bringing that to life. It's like, say, for instance, it was just like an apple you were animating, but if you've given it character, it's just like you've given an an inanimate object character and brought it to life. It just, uh, yeah, it's the best feeling in the world. It's amazing. But it takes a long time to get to that stage. That's the only thing. (laughs) And so just to be clear, so stop motion is um, when, like you say, you've got an actual object, but in order for it in the in the end product to make it look like it's moving, you have moved the object every every single movement. You've moved it, and then you filmed it, and then you've moved it, and then you filmed it. Is that right? Yeah, but it's a still image, so you use a stills camera for stop motion. If you're doing it like properly, you have like a software that you've got the camera set up. So yeah, you move it, take a picture, move it, take a picture, move it, and then it gives the idea that it's that's moving. And again, it's just it's amazing. I mean, and with stop motion, I find slightly different from the other forms of animation because I think you get little happy accidents. You can plan for the scene, but there's sometimes the way you move the model in a certain way that you maybe not have planned it. It then gives it a different feeling. Whereas I think with 2D and 3D, it's much more controlled. And I think the reason why I ended up doing stop motion is because it's quite like live action and I I like the link between the two. Um, Like the unpredictability. Well, I think it's just because it's physical and I'm quite a tactile person. And so I think that's why I ended up doing it. Whereas I I went to art school thinking I was going to do 2D or 3D because that's what I'd been sort of brought up on and that was the style of animation that I really liked. But don't get me wrong, I loved Morph, but I wasn't a massive fan of like Wallace and Gromit. Don't get me wrong, amazing talent, but it's not my sort of vibe. Like I loved like more like your Nightmare Before Christmas stuff, uh, sort of Tim Burton-esque was more my vibe. But um, yeah, I think because it's something physical and you can touch it and feel it, it I don't know. That's just, yeah, that's what I like. But yeah, it's interesting. Everyone's buttons get pushed by something different and, and you cannot necessarily explain why, but you know that is my thing and not that. Yeah, totally. And sometimes you just have to try it and see what what you like. I was thinking about where it all started and I know that you now have your own business which is brilliant and you but you've worked as a producer for other people's businesses and you started out at um, a college of art and design in Dundee. I did. <laughs> stalked you on LinkedIn um I no, I just happened to remember that when you told me 15 years ago over a drink no I'm not that good um <laughs> and so when you first left college did you have a really driving ambition to do anything in particular or did you have an overarching kind of interest in animation design did you know or did you not know what you wanted to do oh it's quite funny so I guess growing up I always wanted to do animation, but I didn't think you could do it in Scotland. And I nearly became an architect because I I thought that would incorporate the things that I liked and what I was good at. But then when I went and did my work experience at school, I went to an architect's office and I told them that I'd quite like to do animation, but I didn't think I could do it. And they were like, do animation, don't become an architect. So it was like a pivotal moment, maybe. Yeah. And then my sister moved to Dundee uh, to study law and she had heard about the course there and she was like, there's a really good course here. It's got raving reviews. Because I guess back in those days, the internet was still like really new. You know, we didn't have YouTube or anything like that. And information, you just had to hear through word of mouth or like do loads of research. So um so then I heard about the course and I was dead set on going, um, but I went to quite a like rough school. 
it was just a normal state school but it wasn't art wasn't encouraged at all um I actually do remember that the head of art department didn't think I would get into art school so it's quite funny that now I've got my own animation company and I remember my modern studies teacher being like laughing at me because I wanted to do animation Um, I think because yeah, and I guess my my dad wasn't really that supportive of it because he was a lawyer and my sister was becoming a lawyer and I was quite academic. Like I got really good grades and stuff, and I could have I could have went off and done something like that. But I was really passionate about art, and my mum, uh, unfortunately, she was brilliant at art at school, but she came from quite a few poor family, and she had to go and become a work in an office and not take up. Like she got offered a. I think it was like a graphic artist internship and in those days it just wasn't something that you could go and do so um she really pushed so she didn't she really she got offered it but she didn't take it no because uh my my gran wanted her to go and work in an office and make money basically because oh, being an being an artist back then you wouldn't have made it really hardly any money I mean don't get me wrong I think it's still a struggle but um I think she really helped me sort of see the potential and, and follow my heart and I know I knew it was going to be a risk, but I know that I'm hardworking and I'm determined that, yeah. So when I went to art school, I was really lucky that I got in and I had done like loads of extra courses. Like in sixth year, I did a college course and like my spare time. and um, In order to improve your chances of getting in. Yeah, yeah. And did a summer school class up in Dundee and weekend classes and stuff in Cumbernauld and all these places. So I really did work really hard to get in and I was really pleased that I did. And then once, once I was there, it was like a total life changing experience. I think coming from a small town where being different wasn't acceptable I I sort of had I think I had suppressed a lot of that so when I went to art school and I met my tribe it was just like a total amazing time like like I wouldn't change it for the world um as I said I probably learned more about animation but I had the best life experience at art school um and yeah I guess I went to art school having been brought up on like Disney and Pixar and things like that and not really understanding there's like a whole other world of experimental and different forms of animation so art school was really good for that and yeah coming out I kind of knew I wasn't the best animator and I also kind of knew I probably didn't have the the correct sort of uh, personality for it because I'm dead sociable (laughs) and animators are... It's a very lonely job at times and I just love being part of the whole thing and I think I came out thinking, you know, maybe production was probably more suited and and my tutors even said that because I'd organized a few events like our degree show and stuff and it was really successful we'd managed to get like really big sponsorship which they hadn't really had in the past so they were like look you're really good at this you're good at working with people and geeing them up and and getting things done so I started to I'd applied for like Ardman and stuff when I came out because there wasn't any I think there was maybe like a really small company doing stop motion at that time in Scotland but that was at one company in the whole country and it was very much a writer director duo and and they just were sort of working on their own projects so there wasn't really a massive amount of opportunities for a stop motion animator so I applied for a few things I went to go and work for a company in Cardiff for I think it was like three weeks to a month or something and had to do that for free so I had to get myself there pay for all my B&B and everything and I I had a really traumatic experience on the way down like I got my purse nicked and stuff and it was horrible oh my god it was such a horrible experience but at the same time 
when it, like the time that I had there, I learned a lot because the animation director spent loads of time with me, and I got to do loads of like little shots that ended up in the series. I got to meet one of the models. Um, it was a kids series called Hannah's Helpline, I think. Um, but it was amazing. I got to work with the woman who did the corpse bride, all the fab, all the like costumes on the corpse bride. It was just amazing. But I also very quickly thought. I don't know if I'm good enough for this. Um, and also, as I and said... Were you, were you being modest? Were you no, being modest? I don't think... back now? No, I don't think... I th- like, I genuinely know my skills. Like, I'm okay, I'm an okay animator. But if I was... If I have the opportunity to hire somebody, I will hire somebody. Because I just think... Yeah. I know where my level is at. And I know what I can and can't do. And if I want the best, I have to get the best. So if I have enough budget, I will hire somebody in. And if there's not enough budget, then I'll just have to adjust it and then I have to do it myself. But um, I definitely sort of came out of that experience going, right, I really need a job. I really want a job in the creative industry. It doesn't matter what it is, just apply for something. And then I applied for Muckle Hen. So it was a production assistant role that was uh, advertised. And um, I didn't get it straight away, actually. I don't know if I, I ever know told that. you that. No, because so, we, met, we met at Muckle Hen, right? I should yes. explain to anyone listening. So basically, I applied. I came second. I was like, do you know what? It's my first professional job out of university, and I nearly got it. So I just sort of was like, oh, well. And then a few months later, I get a call back from Shona saying, you know, it's not really worked out with this person. Um, we'd like to give you a chance on a shoot. So I went and did a, a job with them for a week. Well, it was like five days on Orkney and Shetland for Northlink Ferries. And um, yeah, I was up against another person for the job. <laughs> so there's two of us on the shoot. But you know what? I went there and I just thought, just go and have fun. Good it doesn't you. matter what the outcome is. And like, I very quickly realised the person who I was up against probably didn't want the job I just don't think they could handle the the multitasking and the pressure and everything and I I sort of just yeah just took it in my stride because I was just having the best time so I got obviously my very first job and it was fantastic I wouldn't change it for the world and I was there for what four and a half years doing everything from teas and coffees to editing storyboarding and I would say that's the good thing about working in a small company like you get to try lots of stuff and you kind of see what each department does and you kind of you get a little bit more variety than you would see in a bigger company where you've got a specific role um it was just it was so much fun yeah and then after that I um so I went to an animation company actually after Shona's and then I got um a friend of a friend had got in touch and said I think you'd be really good for this role so it was a junior producer role and at the animation company I kind of had to take a step down and a a drop in salary and so when I got offered that job it was a hard one because I'm quite a loyal person and I I'd only been at um, the animation company for a couple of months so I, I found it really hard to make that decision even though like there was like a 10k salary increase job title of like three jobs you know but it was still like oh is this the right move but I had to trust my gut so I went and then I worked there for uh, another like five years and that's where I met Rona so it was all meant to be you know yeah and so I went from junior producer all the way to head of production there and I got they gave me the opportunity to direct animation and get back into animation. I kind of feel like by the time I got to the gate and and started working with like bigger d- directors and teams of people, I kind of found a little bit more confidence. And I think I directed about eight or nine commercials there. Um, and then that obviously has continued while I've been at 
um, eyeballs and I directed a short film, well, co-directed with a guy called Chris Watson. He writes lots of Iron Brew ads and all the big commercials that you see, but he's a really talented director and filmmaker and he he came to us with some ideas and, and we co-directed a short film that was stop motion animation. It was long listed for BAFTA in London, but Amazing. sadly we never made the short list. I was like, oh, still, it's incredible. Yeah. The long list I know. BAFTA, that's I know. a big word. That's a big word. But um, we, we won loads of other awards for it and, and we got to, into lots of festivals. So that was sort of a big, a big, part of my career I think that was a big stepping stone but I wanted to ask you about um meeting Rona Drummond is that right yes Rona Drummond yeah whose idea was it to set up the business and do you remember the moment when you decided let's let's go for it so that's a funny one I remember the day that I met Rona and we weren't working at the gate actually she was working as an agency producer on a visit Scotland job with me you know we're very different in lots of ways but our core values are the same like I totally respect her she's been my mentor and friend for years and she's just really honest and hard working and I've had other people ask me to go into business with them and you know Rona's just she is she's amazing and I couldn't ask for a better business partner and she we're like a yin and yang she deals with lots of business side of things and and the money and I sort of deal with the creative and the technical and so yeah we were working together and we worked really well and Chris Watson from the Leith Agency had um, an idea for a short film so we wanted to make it with them Um, so Chris at this point had only ever really sort of dabbled in directing for commercials and he really wanted to make this animation and uh, we got the funding for it. So we had to set up a brand new company to get the money. And actually, I think you do that with lots of things like that anyway, because it separates the risk. So yeah, that was essentially how Eyeballs was born. Maybe it wasn't quite the same, but I remember when I first set up, or when I first decided to go and work for myself, it, I was thinking about it for about 10 years. It just seemed like such a financial risk. And in the end... I didn't have a lot of money in the bank when I quit my job and decided to try to freelance. I really didn't. When I look back now, you just think that's crazy. But I made one rule and I wonder if you did a similar thing. I don't know. Everyone sort of, I guess, when they're taking a bit of a leap of faith, they they set up one thing in their head that makes it in their mind okay to take the risk. And my one rule was, this is like 25 years ago now, but I was sharing a, a house in, in Melbourne and I had, like I say, a bit of savings in the bank that I wasn't allowed to touch. You know, it was just emergency money. And, of course, we would go out for a drink down the pub, down the road on a Friday night or a Saturday night. And this is so long ago, like I'm showing my age, that whenever I paid for something, I always paid in cash. You didn't have chip and pin. Back. This is how long yeah, ago this was. I didn't have chip and pin. So the rule that I made myself was whenever I got any change in coins, I put those coins in the glass and I was allowed to use those coins to buy a drink and I wasn't allowed to buy a drink if there were no coins in the glass. That was me. That was my my line in the sand that I'd drawn and I wondered if you had anything similar, something that made you take the leap. I think because I was doing it with Rona, I think if I hadn't been doing it with her, I don't know if I would have done it. If I'm honest, like... I know we're a really good team and she will keep us right, especially when it comes to money. Like She's straight down the line and she manages it so well and maybe we could take more risks, and we do at times. It doesn't always work out, obviously, but yeah, I think just knowing that she had my back 
and be- because she'd already make- started making a success of it as well. And I know that we both have great reputations in the industry and we've worked really hard and we are grafters and knew it would work. Don't get me wrong, we definitely disagree at times. <laughs> it's like family, you know. Um, you're not always going to get on, but I trust her. I trust her implicitly, like she's amazing. But if you're pitching for new work, is it tough? Can it be hard on your self-confidence? Yeah, I think um, in the beginning when you pitch for stuff, I think when you're not used to that, it does feel like feel like you're getting dumped. Yeah. Yeah, and if you've lost a few in a row, it can be like, what is it me? Am I just not like good enough? But sometimes it's just down to budget. And if you can't make it budget work, there's no point in going in and saying you can make it work, then stressing yourself out, stressing your team out, and then like not making any money. It's not worth it if you're not going to enjoy it and or, or make a really good piece of work. Sometimes you just have to go, yes or no, can we make this work? And then there's jobs, but obviously the creative's amazing and you know the budget's not going to work, but you want it on your reel. You really want to make that piece of work. So you take the risk and you take the hit. And we've we've definitely done that before because, you know, we we want people to come and work with us because we're good at our jobs and we make good work and it's fun. Like, you know, obviously we've got to pay the bills, but we also love what we do. So what do you love about what you do? Uh, It... It's going to sound a bit weird, but um, I think there's something in me, mm. like that makes me who I am. Yeah. Like when I do creative work, I get something else out of it. It's not just a job; like it's part of who I am. Like there's that element, but also just like working with people. It's just so much fun. Like I mean, obviously there's times where it's not fun when you're standing in a field in the pissing rain and you're soaked through, and it's been twenty hours, and you're like, just get the shot. I also just love the fact that you're bringing people together to make something and you can show you can show people this is what I do and like my wee granny who's like 92 saw an advert that I made on the telly the other day and she was just like so proud of me and I just thought that's really nice that I can show her what I do and she probably doesn't understand what's went into it and she's got early dementia so she's (laughs) probably forgotten by lunchtime (laughs) but um it's really nice that she can see that especially yeah and to you, what is your thoughts on, like you say, creative, and it's a word that we all use, like my tapping into my creative side, but you really are. I mean, a lot of people talk about it and you really are doing it. Do you think that everyone has actually got a creative side and would everyone would feel good if they knew how to tap into it? I do think everybody's got something, whether they're like good at drawing or guitar that's that's a whole lot. but I think some people are creative thinkers as well like my big sister always goes on about how she's not creative but she is she she is in different ways definitely she's just not maybe as artistic i.e like physically artistic I definitely feel so much happier when I'm doing something creative don't get me wrong when you put I don't think I could be a full-time like full-time creative which is why I think I sit in between and I think that's why animation is quite an interesting one because you do have to think about mathematics and physics as well as like how it looks so I think I definitely have always sort of sat in the middle and I think that's why I like the variety that I get from my job as well like it's not just it's not just all creative and it's not just all the other side either very lucky very lucky so there you have Victoria's story I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did One of the moments that really stays with me is when Victoria said that the head of the art department at school told her she probably wouldn't get into art school. That must be more than 20 years ago, and yet Victoria still remembers the comment. Thankfully, she didn't let it put her off. I also can't believe her modern studies teacher laughed at her when she said she wanted to do animation. 
It just goes to show sometimes it's totally irrelevant what other people think. You just have to follow your own path. Thanks very much for listening.